but you're to your question about like, how is it that they get the fluidity going? How do they get the words written for, for myself? I really find that having a small free writing practice on a regular basis makes a huge, huge difference. And I recommend this to almost everybody who has a problem with fluidity. Like if you, if you're writing and you're prolific and every time you sit down, like it's not a problem, you don't need to do this. But if there are days that you don't have that. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedlek, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah. Um, well, I wear a couple of hats. I am a journalist. I've been a freelance journalist for quite a long time, maybe 15 years or so. And I also work as a writing coach primarily working with people who identify as writers, who identify as journalists, but also with some people who find themselves writing, but wouldn't necessarily identify as writers. So that's all different stripes of entrepreneurs and sometimes students or coaches, these kind of, all these kind of people. Love it. So how did you get into helping journalists as a thing or helping writers as a thing? Yeah. So uh, way back, I originally had a career as an educator and I really liked that. And then I made the transition into writing and editing and didn't look back, didn't look back for a good 10 years. And then I sort of thought, oh, you know, I'd like to actually start to share with other writers what I've learned along the way. And so it became actually, it seemed like a full circle moment, naturally sort of progressed. And I initially was helping people a lot with external skills, things that people said that they wanted to do differently in their career. And the more that we worked on that and taught them those things, the more I could see that people had a lot of internal hangups as well. Um, And so that sort of led towards coaching. So as I do sort of a hybrid of teaching and coaching, depending on what it is that, that people need. So very, very often as you know, the obstacles to get achieving these sort of external girl goals are internal blocks that need to be worked on. And we need to work on those mindset shifts as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about more about kind of who you're working with. So is it business owners that are looking to, you know, do blog posts, to do publications, to do PR, all of the above? <laughs> all of the above. I mean, obviously, like a lot of people are doing podcasts these days. So there's a lot of need to be working on. Sometimes people want a podcast script. Sometimes it's just the podcast show notes that are a bugabear. Um, there's very often emails and, um, you know, website copy. And sometimes it's speech presentations, you know, pretty much anything that is going to be read by other people has to be written at some point in time. Love it. Well, and I noticed that uh, we we have a fun little project going on right now because we wanted to, we've never transcribed the shows before and we've never turned them into blogs before. And I'm like, well, we've got to, I've, I've answered a lot of questions <laughs> over a lot of years. So there's got to be some content in there. And then we transcribe it and I look at it and I'm like, wow, we cannot even come close to trans. <laughs> so it is a blog because it's very conversational, but it's, it's, like when I read, I want to know what the points are and, you know, why you're saying this and it needs to be all neat and compact. How do you transition from that very much a conversation that can't be translated into the words? How do you make it <laughs> readable? Into three bullet points to summarize yeah, the whole exactly. conversation. Well, I think that sometimes with, with a podcast, sometimes 
we might know ahead of time, like here, like sort of three of the main things that we're going to be talking about. And you can sort of already have that cheat sheet. I don't know if you do that, if you're, when you're planning your conversations ahead of time and very often for, for the show notes that can be useful as a skeleton. And then if somebody goes back and re-listens, if somebody is just sort of editing, say for, for the audio quality, they can also be picking out what are a couple more of the points to put in there for most people with show notes or even if it's a relatively short blog post, yeah, they don't want to read 30 minutes of transcribed text. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot, a lot. And so just being able to have the sort of like short framework ahead of time, it's easier then to like sort of add in. And sometimes you just sort of know who it is that you're going to be talking to and have like a one sentence idea. And then I think it's useful when it's still fresh to jot down a few things. What were the key things that came up? I mean, as we're talking, I have a pen because I like to make notes along the way. If I hear something that sounds good, I put it down. And then if I make even a one minute annotation right after the call, right when it's fresh, I just find that that just makes it so much easier to be clear about what it is that I want to be communicated in the post, in the, in the blog post, in the show notes, in the email that's promoting the post, whatever it is. And it is so that even if I come back now a week later or two months later, that one minute annotation will have really helped me connect with and remind like, here are the things that I want to be saying. Here it is. Here's what I want to focus on. And sometimes finding the words to say it may come later, but that, that initial thing of just saying, getting clear about what it is you want to say, I think makes a big, big difference in terms of your ability to communicate it later on. Absolutely. So you said earlier that you work with people who identify as writers. Well, which I find uh, interesting. I do not identify as a writer. I would love to write. <laughs> I have written books. <laughs> that does not make me a writer. It's kind of like I own runners. That does not make me a runner. Um, <laughs> but I, So when you're working with people who identify as writers, what makes it easier to be able to take those thoughts and be able to, to kind of get them out on paper and make them readable? Yeah. Well, I will just say, a lot of people who do professionally identify writers still give a lot of disclaimers. Well, I'm not a real writer because they haven't met X, Y, or Z. Like goal doesn't mean I don't write and I yeah, don't pay yeah. a lot to write. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just because I'm writing every day and getting paid to write. So what? I'm not really a writer. Yeah, that's what um, doesn't mean. Just because I'm but a it's like, you know, that doesn't make They have right. some kind of thing. Yeah, like they haven't gotten published today. They haven't gotten that new client. They haven't done some kind of project that they want to do that they, you know. But you're, to your question about like, how is it that they get the fluidity going? How do they get the words written? For, for myself, I really find that having a small free writing practice on a regular basis makes a huge, huge difference. And I recommend this to almost everybody who has a problem with fluidity. Like if you, if you're writing and you're prolific and Every time you sit down, like it's not a problem, you don't need to do this. But if there are days that you don't have that, then I just encourage you to just sit down with, and I often do do it by pen. You can do it, you know, on a keyboard and to allow yourself to just do basically like a mind dump, just whatever is coming to mind. It is not your draft. It is not what you're going to actually use when it comes time to write your blog post or your book manuscript or whatever it is, but it really helps to clear the mind and it helps I think in a big way, interrupt that narrative that I don't write because you already wrote today. You know, it's very easy to say, like, I haven't written for a long time, but I, I wrote for 20 minutes this morning. And and then it's like, OK, yes, I did do that. And it makes it easier than when it's time to actually do the thing that other people are going to read. You sort of just sort of cleared out a lot of that mental noise. 
Nice. I love that. Well, and it, you sticking to the metaphor of runner, it is that being able to get out every day and just go, okay, I'm going to put them on. I'm going to get out. And if I happen to move faster than the dog, great. If I happen to move slower, that's great. But yeah. the dog and I are going out for something. Yeah. Um, and because you can't do the race without that. And, and essentially, you know, doing those articles, those pieces is kind of a little race. It's, it's, this is the, the thing that we've been working towards. Um, so yeah. it lowers the stress on the day-to-day totally. -day basis, but allows for, oh, I'm practiced up. I'm, I can handle this when it comes time to do it. Yeah. And I, I think I actually really like the running metaphor as well. I think of it because it is being sort of like cross training, the free riding can be like cross training so that if you're, if you're running, if you're practicing to run a race, whether it's 5k or whatever, you probably run much further than for no. me, it's a 5k. It's like eyes on the prize. Then there are also going to be days that you want to bicycle so that you can still have cardio and days that you want to do yoga. You know, like there's other kinds of things that you're doing that are still activity. There's still motion. And I think the free riding is sort of like the cross training support for the main events. Nice. Love that. So when, when people are working with you, do you have kind of exercises to take them through or to, to work with them on whatever it is that's going on for them? How do you work with that? Yeah. I mean, in terms of like coming up with like, if you're asking about like prompts for the free write endlessly, it's very, very easy to come up with prompts for people. I do have a couple of go-to ones. One of my very, very favorite, like the easiest one is like, I remember dot, dot, dot. You start the page with that and just go for a page, you know, just like whatever comes to mind. It's okay if if what's coming up is silly and goofy, as I said, this is not actually the thing that anybody else is going to read. But then as I start to work with people, we start to pull out where there are things that are sort of convoluted in their thinking or things that are holding them back or like, can we like sort of just explore what that is about things that are of interest to them? You know, whatever conversations are, uh, you know, sort of really on their mind. I said, like, let's just write that out. If your client was asking you about this thing, let's write out what your response to them would be. And again, it's it's not that this is the final thing, but it just allows you to start practicing and start thinking about how is it that you want to be communicating your ideas to somebody before it's time to actually have to put it into words. I know that sounds a little counter counterintuitive, but I really see there as being this, this phase where you're trying to figure out what you want to say that could be putting words onto a page, but it could also be talking with somebody. It could be making a mind map. It could be making a drawing. And sometimes people conflate that phase with the phase where you're actually figuring out how to say it, which is also putting words on a page. Like they, they can, <laughs> that, phase, that phase definitely is putting words on a page. Although it could also be, as you were getting at, transcribing um, what you said out loud. And at that point, when we got through those two phases, then we can get to a revision phase where we rewrite and make sure, have I actually said well what I wanted to? Is, are my ideas coming through? And have I used the examples uh, and used the support, used the right words that, that make sense for who I'm trying to communicate with? Nice, love it. So are there any misconceptions that people have before they start working with you? Well, that's that's a really good question. I'm sure I'm sure there must I'm sure be. There right? are. Um, <laughs> um, I don't. I, I try to be pretty clear with people. I also have been doing a podcast for a few years, so I think that most of the people who work with me have listened to that, and they do have some sort of sense about where I'm coming from. That it is going to be working both external skills as well as the internal mindset, and I see those as going back and forth um, and making sense. I think that a really common misconception people have about themselves as writers is that what their writing should be good up front, that they should be able to figure it out before they've started, that there shouldn't be any rewrites. And I think that 
that's something that I remind people about an awful lot of the time, even professional writers, people who are writing, getting paid to write full time. They know that intellectually they've experienced it so many times and they've had a few instances where they wrote an amazing first draft and was ready to go. And they would like all the experiences to be like that. So they've had many, but, but they can see also that there are so many experiences where that's not the case. And I feel like that is one of the biggest, um, uh, reminders that I can give, especially to entrepreneurs, people who haven't had quite as much experience and see themselves holding back because they don't want to have that experience of it not being great. And the last time they wrote something, it was it didn't it didn't flow. It wasn't easy. It didn't have the impact that they were hoping for. And we'd say like that is actually p- part of the process and part of the um, becoming more comfortable with how you write, finding your voice, understanding who you're speaking to, and just being willing to go back and rewrite and learn from, from those pieces that aren't quite as sharp or as full or as dynamic as you wanted them to be on the first go round. Yeah. I can't imagine that most writers, (laughs) they're just going to sit down and start typing and it's going to be lovely. (laughs) Not so much in the movies, in the movies, when you see like a, you know, so-called writer movie, you always see those scenes where they're blocked and they're like staring out the window. And then there's this mad dash of, you know, they're typing so, so fast. And I, I, there's, there's some validity to that. I mean, there is a lot of thinking about what am I going to do and overthinking why you're not the one, it shouldn't be you. I'm never going to figure this out. And then, and then it comes together. It is nice. So talk to me about the mindset um, that you're looking for or looking to transform people into. Yeah. So I think that the, some of the most common things that are problematic for people are things like doubt overwhelm, overthinking, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, procrastination, like if any of these sound familiar, let me know. And um, it's not, I think that there's two things that happen when we really work on your mindset and paying attention to how it is that you're thinking about things, what you're telling yourself and how those impact you, like how they make you feel. And then leading very often to inaction in the case of like, say like a writer's block that, you know, I'm just not writing and not writing day after day. Like if you're not writing for 20 minutes, I would not call that <laughs> writer's block. <laughs> and there's like a change in the nature of the relationship. So it's not necessarily that doubt is going to go away completely. I think that very often after working together for a while that the doubt about your ability to do this work can actually shift and change and may recede. But more importantly, when the doubt comes up, you don't necessarily buy into it. Like you notice that like last time you were really doubtful, but you still got the thing done and you got good response to it. So you can say, okay, the doubt isn't necessarily a good indicator that I'm on the wrong path or that I shouldn't be doing this. I think that's a very, very important aspect of the mindset for for all writers, regardless of the scope of the project. Um, And that's true again with, um, you know, with, with telling yourself like, I'm not ready for this, or this is going to be no good. Like, you know, it's not just doubt, but um, all the reasons why you tend to want to discount something that you've done in the past, it actually did go well. So saying like, you know, this one didn't count because the people who were reading it were already my audience or, you know, I gave that speech and like, they were all my fans. It's like, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good thing. (laughs) That's, that's not actually a problem. And that, that we can actually see that as being an indicator of imposter syndrome and starting to ask, you know, why is this a problem? Can we see what is factually true about the situation? And if, if somebody's telling themselves, I don't know what to do next, I ask, well, what do you know? What have you done in the past? And try and redirect ourselves towards, towards, towards those sort of baselines that help us sort of incrementally um, get our work done. Nice. Love that. Well, and, and I, when I was teaching on business and success, it was 
you know, the thing that scares you the most, when the most resistance comes up, that is the exact thing you need to be doing. Because yeah. if you go back from that and go, oh, I think I'm going to clean the baseboards and that becomes really comfortable. It's like, that's the exact thing you should not be doing. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Go back to the yeah. one that scares you and go and get it done. And look, writing is such a great tool for investigating those kind of things. So if you are starting to notice there's this resistance, that can actually be your free write for the day. What is the nature of this resistance? And if we sort of want to play with it, if you're feeling like it, you can take on, you can play around and take on the mindset of if I am the resistance, what does the resistance have to say? Like, you know, sort of go into the first person voice of the resistance itself. What is it that you want to teach me? What can I learn from you? And sort of like get to know the resistance. Again, that sort of allows you to sort of make it be not quite as potent and start to shift and change the way that you think about it. I love that. So what would you say is your favorite part of your business? Hmm. Um, I really enjoy it when people are able to shift the 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 way in which they're thinking about themselves as writers so that they can get the thing written and are able to communicate their ideas with other people. So it's it, it can be kind of, you know, it's very fun and satisfying the one-on-one in the individual sessions themselves. Like I really like the coaching. I help, I like when people have those aha moments, but I especially like it when it then translates to them actually taking action and communicating with their readers or sometimes their listeners in the way that they were hoping to connect. That is when we, I really f- start to feel like, and this also goes back to my original teaching, um, you know, so my framework as, a, as an educator is that, that I feel like it's not just me working one-on-one with somebody, it's me being able to help in a small way that, that much larger conversation and exchange of ideas. Nice, I love it. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of the clients that you've worked with. Hmm. So as I said, like a lot of the people that I work with are in fact professional journalists. And so the kind of Cinderella things that happen is somebody who's like, I've been working for my local paper for a long time. I do these kind of stories. I like them, but I've sort of gotten bored and they cannot see that they're able to pitch something to a national publication. And then we do that sort of work on the mindset about like, what would it be like if you can do this? Can we see examples of people who have done this? What if you started to learn the frameworks about what to include in a pitch, you know, that's different from working with your local editor, because I know you know them really, what they want. And we then start to work on this external pitch so that they can then break into those national publications, those international publications. And I've been able to help people do that with pretty much like all the big publications. I've been doing this work for enough years that it's like, you know, it's the New York Times and the Guardian and Al Jazeera and the BBC and Bustle and Travel and Leisure. And the list just goes on and on and on. And those are the kind of stories that really, again, it's it's not so much that prestige. Um, it is fun when you're writing for those big audiences, but it's really becomes about being able to um, reach much wider audiences. And very oftentimes those platforms do reach a lot, a lot of people. Nice. I love that. So what would some of the stumbling blocks that somebody has other than they're maybe stuck in the local uh, as a local journalist and they want to break out, what else might somebody be struggling with? And they're thinking, oh my God, Rebecca, I need you so badly. Well, a lot of times it is some of this external stuff. I, you know, like the mindset is super important, but a lot of times it's these external things as well. Like what is, what's the etiquette? Who is it I'm supposed to be reaching? What do they want to hear? Um, one of the things that I tell everybody when they're, when they're pitching an idea is in virtually every single instance, if somebody asks, is this too long? The answer is yes. Like, and, and so how do we then 
call it down. This is sort of, you know, like a abbreviated a variation of what you were asking about with the transcript of 30 minutes and bringing <laughs> exactly. it down to like one screen of like, you know, uh, compelling text. And so getting a feel for what needs to be included in a story. Can you describe the story idea in a sentence? And if you can't, maybe sometimes we'll say two or three sentences if it's a really complex story or like maybe you can articulate it clearly. But if you can't communicate it clearly in a sentence or two, then you're probably actually not ready to pitch. And sometimes people want to just include more and more like here are all the ideas and really try to like pull it back to understanding what it is that an editor wants to see that is going to make them say, yep, this is a great fit. We want to go ahead and publish this and you know send, send them the assignment for that piece. Right. Well, I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? I think that the best way is to find me on my podcast, which is the Writing Coach Podcast, and probably whatever app they're listening to us talking right now, they can go and search it there as well. Nice. And we will, of course, have your links in the show notes. So beep, scroll down into the show notes and click on the links. That's awesome. So I get to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Ooh, I so young that I don't actually remember. I grew up with a whole bunch of entrepreneurs. And so that was just sort of seemed normal and natural. And I think that it actually has had a really big impact. I think all writers who are looking to publish in any way, shape or form are entrepreneurs. Um, and I think that's actually helped me succeed a lot. Whereas some writers who identify as writers are really just so fixated on the craft and they're not thinking about how can I actually make a living out of this? So yeah, super, super young. I don't want to say like five, but like Probably, probably about five. Yeah, very young. Well, and you brought up uh, an interesting thought in my head. Interesting to me anyway. Is yeah. is there kind of clicks within the writing industry? It's like, oh, I'm a publisher. I'm a journalist. I'm a, <laughs> do they, do they kind of, I'm a book writer. Is yeah, that yeah. kind of thing going on? Yeah. <laughs> People segregate into like, like different authors will segregate into genres sometimes within sort of um, uh, like publications, like newspapers, magazines, websites, very often there's hierarchical structure and writers and very often distance themselves from editors. I don't think this is actually particularly useful, especially as a freelancer, <laughs> I really be able to see this as like, these are people who want to work with you. And being able to see that very often with that very first assignment, I understand more the, the nature of like, there's a little bit of a disconnect, but if you're looking to work with somebody again and again, and there's going to be a good fit, of course, it's going to be more of a collaboration and there can be more camaraderie. And if you can anticipate that from the outset, it, it sort of helps, makes everything go a little bit more smoothly. Nice. I love it. So in your entrepreneurial journey, has there ever been any blooper moments? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what is like a, like a, a safe one for here. I would say that um, actually one of the, look, like there's a lot of um, the, a lot of the pitching that I did early on was actually very bloopery, right? Like that I also wasn't quite sure about like, what are the external things? And there was sometimes overstep or send an idea that in retrospect, I'm like, that was such a bad fit. And I was so convinced that it was a good thing. And only after sending it, could I really start to see why that didn't work. And so I feel like for myself, like there are a lot of learning moments. Um, there's, you can learn things when you're doing things right. But yeah, you learn things more when you're like, that was just a flop. Like that editor is not going to get back to you or they tell you that, you know, the writing wasn't up to par or something like that. You know, like if you have any good ideas, let us know. You're kind of like, okay. Um, yeah. 
I think my my favorite story in the writing world was somebody had sent an article to um, the author of Guerrilla Marketing and spelled mm. gorilla wrong. And he responded back and said, probably want to know how to spell gorilla properly. She goes, gorilla, 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 please, can you? <laughs> and she got it. <laughs> he thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, I love it. That's really embracing it and being like, yeah, I made a mistake. Let's yeah, let's run totally with it. totally messed that up, but it worked. <laughs> That's awesome. Rebecca, you have been awesome. Any last words for our peeps? Um, just to, once again, encourage people to, um, stick with it. If, if, if I mentioned like writing for a page or 20 minutes, um, for free write daily, and if it's a paragraph, I think that also helps get you on your way. Just a little bit of writing. I often do one minute bursts. It's enough for you to say like, Hey, like, let me cut through the fact that I haven't done any writing today or help me to crystallize my idea so that I'll be able to let my brain know that I'm thinking about this and I'll come back to it later. Nice. So peeps just like running. Put on the runners, pick up the pen, just pick up the pen. <laughs> Use the pen. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for your time, Rebecca. You've been amazing. I appreciate your time. I know how valuable it is. Oh, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to speak with you. Awesome. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.